Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm John Weeks and this is The Leader. The all-new smartphone, now with twice the RAM and, and four it, it is the latest model with a new four times quicker processor. The all-new tablet with more features than ever. Don't be left behind by our most high-tech model yet. Moore's Law states that the number of transistors on a microchip doubles about every two years. A theory that effectively suggests technology will get faster and more powerful exponentially. And we're seeing it happen in front of our eyes. Every year we get several new upgraded iterations of smartphones, tablets, computers, even down to things like earphones and hair dryers. But what connects all of those things? Microchips. And what do all microchips need? Precious metals. And where do they come from? Well, it turns out there's quite a lot of them sitting underneath a city in Scandinavia. Just west of the snowy mountains in Sweden lies a city quite literally on the move. Once a small mining town, the city of Kiruna is now being relocated, building by building, to accommodate more mining for things like iron ore and the precious metals you'd find in your smartphone. We are quite pragmatic here in Kiruna. Like it was like, yeah, of course. We do it because the mine is so important for us as a working place. So, and we are quite used to changes also. So there wasn't any big fuss about it. We accept it. Nina Eliasson is the head of planning for Kiruna, which is not the first place in Europe being relocated for mining activity. This is actually not unique. There is one more town being moved at the same time by the same company and it's in Gällivare and Malmberget. It's like 110 kilometers from, from Kiruna. So what are the odds that you have to move two towns at the same time? But then if you look in Europe, there are some smaller villages that has been moved because of the coal mines, for example, in Germany, but not in this large scale as it is in Kiruna. As with any mining, though, concerns about the environment are often raised and the operation in Karuna is no different. Of course, it has really big impact. And I think these questions have been more and more discussed 
than it was before. Be before it was like, uh, just do it, just dig this hole and take out uh, the minerals. But now they're quite long processes. And it's because of the Swedish law so that uh, you have to do it in a certain order, of course. The biggest impact is, of course, on on the Sami culture, the reindeer herding. And that is something that uh, we try to discuss quite a lot right now. How can we compensate the effects on, on this natural interest that it is? So why move the buildings already there instead of rebuilding the city elsewhere? I get quite a lot of questions about why we move the buildings. And I think quite many think that we are moving it because it's cheaper, but the truth is it's not cheaper. It's much more expensive to move a building than a building a new one, like a copy, for example. The second one is that people think the reason why we move buildings is because of fast housing. That is not true either. The real reason why we are moving buildings is actually to compensate Another natural interest, the in natural interest of uh, cultural heritage. So actually it's compensation for that one, why we are moving the buildings. And it's about 40 buildings that are going to be moved in the end. It's not all the buildings, it's just some of the buildings that has really historical values. So for the effort it takes to move a whole Swedish city, You'd expect the mine you're planning to enter to have a lot of what you're looking for. North of the old city centre of Kiruna, there is a deposit called Perjeger. We have known for a long time there were iron ore in that deposit and that there were phosphorus and rare earth elements. But we haven't known the volume of it because we haven't drilled that much historically. The last two or three years we have drilled a lot, exploration drilling. You take up samples of the rock and you can see what's down there. And now we see that besides a lot of iron ore and a lot of phosphorus, there's rare earth elements, the biggest deposit of rare earth elements in Europe. Anders Lindberg is from LKAB, the Swedish mining company preparing to tackle Europe's largest deposit of rare earth metals, a source of many materials that can be used for everything from electronics to food production. We are going to start extracting phosphorus and rare earth elements. And phosphorus is important for mineral fertilizers. Half of the food that's grown in the world is dependent on mineral fertilizers. And phosphorus is one of the, the key elements in that. And this deposit alone, the Perjeje deposit, if we, are, if we get the, the permits to start extracting it, we can replace all of the Russian export of phosphorus to the EU. On top of phosphorus, the site is also full of precious metals that can be used in all kinds of technology. Yeah, that's true. The rare earth elements, there are 17 of them, which have different funny names. <laughs> and they aren't actually that rare. They are quite common uh, in the rock all around the world, but in very low grades. So they are mostly not profitable to mine. Uh, but here we have a higher grade and since it's an iron ore body, it will be profitable to extract them. But they are important, as you say, for the, the electrification of our society, going green, uh, using less fossil fuel when we want to electrify, for example, vehicles. 
we have to make permanent magnets that are important for electric cars, we need these kinds of elements. Eco-groups such as Earthworks argue that new mining should be the last resort for supplying minerals. So can we recycle what we already have instead? These metals and minerals are very important and there is not enough of them to recycle. Recycling is always good and that should be the goal for, for us to, to recycle as much as we can. I know that a lot of people are skeptical about new mines, but we will need them. If we are to, to lower the use of fossil fuels, to lower the, the, the climate change, we need to go electric and then we need these metals and minerals. Let's take a break now. In part two, we turn our attention to e-waste recycling itself and whether it's an option at all. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. So, when you decide to upgrade your smartphone or laptop, ever think about what happens to your old one? Well, data from U-Switch estimates that 80% goes to landfills or incinerators. In 2022, data shows 37,000 tonnes of e-waste was generated in the UK alone, and that's set to rise to 54,000 by 2030. And it's estimated that just 12.5% of e-waste in the UK is recycled. So just how much of a smartphone, for example, can actually be recycled? A great deal of it can be harvested through a number of different processes. Initially, mechanical processes, and then sort of later on refinement and sort of more chemical treatments. But the vast majority of it can be recovered somewhere. The question really is not is it technically possible to recover all of it? It's whether it's economically viable. Robbie Staniforth is the Innovation and Policy Director at EcoSurety, a company aiming to improve our recycling infrastructure and public awareness around recycling. The reality is lots of electronics recycling is a fairly agricultural process involving shredders and sink float tanks where they sink or float the different types of plastic polymers to remove the plastic from all the metal that's left. And so in an agricultural process, it doesn't really matter which ones. But if you want a high recycling rate, you really need to get the chips separated in the most sort of viable way possible so that you've got the chips on their own. 
And as if the process wasn't complicated enough, it turns out actually getting access to the chips is harder than it should be. The products aren't designed or set up to easily get access to those chips. So if you, you look at your laptop in front of you now, it would take you quite a bit of time to open the carcass up and access where the predominant precious metals are, which is in those chips. So really the, the issue is that the products haven't been designed to be dismantled and access that chip very easily. If they were designed to be more um, accessible, then suddenly the viability increases. So once the chips are out and the recycling begins, there's still another part of most devices that needs dealing with, the battery. But that's normally the part that's the toughest to actually recycle. When you recycle a battery, what would be known as a lithium battery, you're pulling out aluminium, copper, manganese, cobalt, nickel, and also the lithium itself. So this just gives you an idea of the complexity. Those are all very different materials that you're trying to harvest in their purest form. Because if you can harvest them in their purest form, they can go back into any application whatsoever. So once these substances are recycled, are they good enough and do tech firms even want them? They just see the material as exactly or very similar to the stuff that they would be buying from the sort of primary sources that's been mined. So I think to most companies, the material properties of the various cobalt, nickel, lithium, aluminium, it's a very similar compound to what they'd be using anyway. So I don't think there's any resistance there. I think it's all about the economics. So how do you make the economics work? Well, one option is for governments to step in and make new legislation around recycled materials. We don't really have policies in the UK that mandate using recycled materials. So therefore, the decision to include recycled material is often just based on the pure economics. And as I mentioned earlier, it can be much more expensive to harvest those metals from previous products through a recycling process than it is to pull it out of a hole in the ground. That's changing as time goes on and as the industry standardizes and modernizes and becomes more efficient in those recycling chain processes. But ultimately it's competing against an industry, the mining and extraction industry, that's been going for hundreds of years. That's The Leader. Thanks for listening. We're back on Tuesday afternoon at four o'clock. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.